Hey girl, you feel that? That's boyfriend material. This is episode 10, The Ides of March from 2011. I'm Joey Lewandowski. I'm Joe too. And this episode is brought to you by a cotton and polyester blend. Mm-hmm. Do you know why? Is that the type of fabric that makes up presidential suits? No, it's the type of fabric that makes up flags. This is fucking oh. America. Ooh. Yes. I like that. Yeah. Do you like that? It's not even Flag Day. When I started, I, I was, we both watched this movie today, right? Yes. And the first three minutes of this movie, I was just like, oh, I don't know how I'm going to feel about this. And then, boy, do I have a movie for you <laughs> afterwards. Okay. Yeah. No, okay. I, I mean, like, it's not great, but, like, I, I, it totally changed. I thought that it's, this was going to be, like, a slow political movie, and boy, wasn't it, so. Nope. Yeah, full-on abortions. <laughs> oh, dude, is this our, no, Channing was in the last abortion movie. There's been a bunch of abortion things lately, right? I feel like. Haven't we seen, like, a lot of abortion movies lately? I don't know what's going on. It keeps happening. It keeps coming up. I just, I don't get it. Yeah, I don't know what we did. Before we talk about this movie, which, I don't know if you knew this, but you know, did you see that George Clooney directed it? Yes, and he wrote the screenplay, too. Did you see the other name? Did you recognize the other name of the guy who wrote it with him? No, who was it? Bo Willeman. It's based on this guy who he wrote the play that this was adapted from. Okay. But he more importantly, I guess, question mark. High School Musical? Is he's the guy, he's the creator, no, 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 creator and showrunner of House of Cards. Oh, really? I guess that kind of so makes sense. This guy sense. loves politics. Yeah, that that definitely makes sense then. It kind of feels House of Cards-y now that you say that. Mm-hmm. I was too drawn into the movie to make that connection, but it definitely feels House of Cards-y, like writing-wise, so I agree. House of Cards, a show that I loved that is now not on the air. No, it's back. It is? They're doing one final season. But without Spacey? Well, yeah, he's dead, apparently. That, just like in the off-season, he just died? I don't know. I, I didn't see last season, and then I, you know, okay. uh, I'm going to watch it. But I've seen promotional materials that between five and six or six and seven or whatever, uh, they show a grave of Francis Underwood underground, oh, well, uh, president of the United States. Yeah, because it kind of makes sense, right? Shouldn't Claire, like, kind of take over? Isn't that, like, the yeah. thing? Yeah. I guess. Good for her, because she was like, yeah, I stopped at some point, too. Last, yeah, never mind. No spoilers, but it feels like Claire should take over. This is our 10th episode. Before we get into the mailbag, and there is one email in there, Ooh. I want to do what we did on the last episode of Magic Mike's. Which I liked. And rank our top 10, you know, the, the first 10, we've done 10 of these so far, rank our 10 Gosling movies that we've covered so far, from 1 to 10, favorite to least favorite, best to worst, however you want to rank them. Weird alchemy involved. Joe, I know you just did this. I've been doing it as we go along on Letterboxd, where you can find me in Letterboxd at Soulpopped. Okay. So let us rank 1 through 10. I think, do you agree with me that 10 is an automatic 10 because he's not in one of the movies that we covered? Oh, oh no. no. I don't agree with that. Oh, well, I know I, what you... I, I probably know what your number 10 is, which very is... Very obvious number 10. Real disappointing <laughs> to me, but yes. Go ahead with your number 10. La La Land like wow, the, no way. One of the worst movies I've ever seen, and I still hate it. So hold on, wait, 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 wait. Here, here, I have a bone to pick with what you just said. Not you what? specifically, because La La Land objectively is not a bad movie. Objectively it's not sucks. for you. No, we talked about it's this. Not we have a, a whole episode. That... If they want to hear about that, I know. I, I know, but I'm stripes. just saying, I'm putting you on blast right now because you're like the worst, one of the worst movies I've ever seen. It is objectively not that. To me, Personally, it's one of the worst movies I've ever seen. No, 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 no. It, it can be one of your least favorite, but in terms of the art of filmmaking, if you will, if you want to get, you know, highbrow about it, it is a success across the board. It's not your taste. 
I'm not going to ever make you watch it again. We're not going to do a La La Land revisited like we did We, we Are Your Friends revisited yeah. for Zack Attack. But I don't think it's fair or accurate to say it's one of the worst movies you've ever seen. I mean, I can see why people like it, but at the same time, to me, it's one of the worst movies I've ever seen. Like, it's just nothing that I want in it. My problem is that you're using worst incorrectly, I guess? The most unenjoyable for me movies I've ever seen. Is that better? I'm okay with that. Okay. That's what I meant by worst. Worst just means, like, worst to me feels objective. And your opinion of La La Land and our opinion of all these movies are subjective. Exactly. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think I just want to be better with our words, collectively, as a people. Because words matter. And I feel like, in a way, that's kind of what this movie is about. Words matter. Actions matter. Absolutely true. That was a really great segue. I agree. La La Land, number 10. Not the worst movie, but one of the least enjoyable movies you've ever seen. I'm okay with that. I knew it was coming. I'm not upset with its placement. I just, you know, I know it is what you it love is. it. You'll go to bat for it every time. I get you yep. every time. It's like trolling. Like every time you walk into it, I am always gonna say it's the worst. I am. I don't. But you know what I mean. Not by what worst. I'm... What did we just talk about? Not worst. That's what I'm saying. But you know what I meant by worst. My number ten, just because Gosling is not in it, is Lost River. I just think, sort of like you know, when we did War of the Worlds for Magic Mike's Channing Tatum is not in that movie. I think Lost River is last, not because I didn't like it, but I just think he's not in it. I don't think it can count on a Ryan Gosling list, but, you know, there's no real rules for this list, exactly. so it could be whatever you want. Goss River was my number nine, so. Okay. Yeah, so we were we were close. We've sort of been blessed by a lot of good movies, a lot of good Gosling movies we early have. on here. We did, yeah, we did. Again, Lost River, not necessarily great. Uh, song to Song, which is coming up in a little bit, not necessarily great, but I think compared to a lot of the stuff we've had to watch early on so far in Magic Mike's, they are technically better and just shot better and better to prettier to look at yeah, we're going than a lot of the other movies and stuff like that. It makes sense. We're going with yeah. like the, the hits now that he's a star. Yep. Going backwards, whereas with Channing, we're going forward, so yep. you know, we're starting with the beginning. My number nine is Goster Squad. Gangster Squad, Gangster Gaz, Goster Squad, Gangster Squad. It's much, much better than I remembered it being. And I think this is just a sort of a victim of I like all the others, other movies more than I don't like this movie. Just like what I was just saying, it's never going to be high on my list of Gosling movies, but I think that there's going to be a lot that we watch that probably is below that because I enjoyed that. I had a good time with that. I enjoyed the episode recording with uh, Resident Story and Mike Manzi, and I liked that movie a lot more than I was fearing I might. But, you know, that's my number nine. Yes. Uh, my number nine was uh, Goss to Goss, Song to Song. Okay. Um, it, it's another movie that's just not for me. It was like a long, like, you know, slice of life movie. There's a few that I do really like, but for the most part, I don't really like those. And Natalie Portman with blonde hair. Blonde Natalie Portman. Yeah, that's my number eight. That is, again, you know, I, I like looking at it. I like the oh, movie. Oh, you picked it for I number like eight, too? kind of movies. Oh, cool. We both have a number yeah, eight. Yeah, my number eight. Yep. Cool. My number seven is this movie, The Ads of March. Again, not one that it's not, you know, something that I don't like. It's just that I like the other things more. And we'll talk more about this when we get to it in a little bit. Cool. My number seven, which in my list, I I put eight twice. So this is <laughs> this is my number seven. Mm-hmm. Only Goss forgives. Okay. I think it's beautiful. Yep. It, but it's just like a lot of like when we talked about it, you know, like preachy allegory to me. Like it's like yeah. t- kind of pretentious, and I'm I'm not a fan of that. That's why I was like lower. I, like I think that like to fall asleep to that's probably like number one movie for me because it's just gorgeous and it's like slow and brooding. But like as a movie in this list, I'm like mm, not one of my favorite. Not one I'm gonna jump to rewatch again soon. So sure. My number six is 
so you have, you have your top six left. I, I wanted to make sure that we're in the same spot. Yeah. You know, that we have top eight. Okay, because you have eight twice. Okay, okay. My number six is The Big Short. What's really kind of remarkable about me, uh, you know, to me about this list is that these top six movies I've all given at least four and a half stars to on Letterboxd. Wow. I love okay. these top six. Okay. Uh, this is just the one that I love the least. Big Short, I loved. It's just, you know, I love it less than the others. Fair. My number six is Gangster Squad. Because okay. I actually really enjoy. It's just a fun movie. I remember. I think it's probably a lot of nostalgia for like when I saw it and stuff like that. It's just fun, you know. Just like a movie that you could watch on a Saturday afternoon. I think I was like mostly ranking them on like how much I would like to rewatch these movies. I think that's generally what I do too. Yeah. Like I how think. quickly I'd rewatch these. So yeah. that's what my list is kind of like. Yeah. Okay. Then then in in that regard, then I am. I think that that that's my list too. Like that's how I try to do, in a way the movies on my like, year-end list were just whatever movies came out in 2018 or whatever, yeah. which to me is why like documentaries, which we're not going to really cover for these kind of podcasts, always tend to suffer because I'm not going to re-watch documentaries. Like, it's not, like, yeah, you saw it once, you got movies. it. I get exactly. it. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Totally understand. Exactly. My number five is The Place Beyond the Pines, The Goss Beyond the Pines. It's long, you know, Gosling's not in it a lot, but I just think that what we get of that, you know, like we talked about last month, the gauze we get in that is really, really good. You know, I like the Bradley Cooper stuff. I like the Dane DeHaan stuff at the end. I just really enjoy a, a lot of that movie. I wish Gods was in it more, but, you know, I still really like that movie a lot. Word. My number five is The Nice Goss. Really? Okay, okay. Yeah, it was it was another one that's enjoyable. I think, like, I hit, like, the first part was, like, movies I don't like, and then it was, like, movies that are like, oh, these were fun, and then it's going to be, like, movies, like, I enjoyed and I want to yep. watch again. And yeah. that's, is this the start of that section? Uh, this is still kind of, like... Fun movies. Oh, okay. Yeah. Wow, okay. My number four is Only Goss Forgives. That's another one sort of like Gangster Squad that I was worried about rewatching, but wound up liking it a lot yeah, more. Yeah, you definitely did love it this watch. So I love that movie. It's beautiful to look at, like you were saying. You know, I just love Nicholas Winding Refn's movies. Definitely like Only Goss Forgives. Plus, it's short. Um, and in terms of that, you know, in oh, terms of re-ranking... It re-ranking, feels long in my head, though. It's only like, it's like 85 or 90 minutes. That's or right, like I remember real, now It's probably the shortest that. one on this list. Yeah, probably. In terms of re-watching, that's another reason why I would want to rewatch that, just because it's uh, a quick one to go through. But I really, really liked Only Goss Forgives. Your number four. My number four is this movie, Ides of Goss. Okay. I liked it a lot. It was really interesting that we'll talk about it when we get to it. <laughs> cool. My number three... and so Okay, so here, number three, like these top... Mm, I, mm-mm. I, I have a top three in an order right now, but my number three. You want to change them? You're gonna tinker. Well, I haven't announced yet, but my number three. I've watched most of the movie probably six times in the last month because it's always on TV. Oh, I know what it is then. It's Blade Runner 2049. That's my number three as well. I love it. The only reason I think, in terms of the way that we're doing these lists, is that because it's three hours long, I'm probably gonna like the two, the watch the two above it more. But I love this movie. It's so good. And he's so good in it. Fair. Yeah, I, I thought it was really good, and it's beautiful. And that's definitely one that I'm actually bound to rewatch soon. So My number two is The Nice Goss. The Nice Guys. You know, we had resident historian Mike Manzi on that episode, too. We talked about, he talked about how that was his favorite movie at the time. Uh, you know, maybe his favorite movie. Like, just when he was watching, when he was on, he just loved that movie. I don't love it as much as him, but I really, really love it. I think he and Russell Crowe are really great in it, and I think it's yeah. a lot of fun. And I just love the Shane Black movies, as we talked about on that episode. Makes sense. That's fine. Um, that was your number two, right? Yep. My number two is The Big Short, because I remember loving it okay. when I saw it, 
And when I rewatched it, I was like, holy shit, what took me so long to rewatch this movie? Yep. It was just awesome, and I loved everything about it, the cast, everything. I was really happy with it. So. And my number one, we don't even need to talk about it, La La Land. Your number one is... Do you know what it is? Did you do Process of Elimination? Um, is it The Place Beyond the Pines? It is. Wow, okay. Since we last recorded, and like when I was thinking about them for the list, I was like, yep. man, this one was like w- probably one of the most interesting movies I saw, and the things that I didn't like about it, I'm still thinking about, so I'm like, that's yep. probably most likely for me to rewatch next. Cool. You know? So, yeah. like, to give it, like, and give it serious attention, and like, actually rewatch it, and like, that was the biggest surpriser for me. So there we go. So just running through them one more time, real quick, from 1 to 10 for me, La La Land, Nice Guys, Blade Runner 2049, Only God Forgives, Place Beyond the Pine, Big Short. Then there's sort of a sizable gap. The Ides of March, Song to Song, Gangster Squad, Lost River. Place Beyond the Pines, Big Short, Blade Runner, probably some gap. Ides of March, Nice Guys, Gangster Squad. Then another gap in Only God Forgives, Song to Song, Lost River, La La Land. Oh, I think I say like the biggest gap in the world, La La Land. No, it's just at the end of that gap. Well, that's it. So uh, like we said on the Magic Mike's episode, again, I don't know if people listen to all of them. I don't know if, you know, I, I don't know what, how people listen to these, but, you know, we're either going to rank the next, like, all 20 in 10 episodes, or maybe 11 through 20, or whatever. We'll see how it feels. Um, we'll see how, it, yeah, see how it goes. But, you know, I, I really liked, if, you, if you're interested, even if you haven't listened to Magic Mike's, if you want to go listen to our rankings of 10 Shantana movies you probably haven't seen, yeah, uh, go listen to the first 10 minutes or 20 minutes or whatever of... Stop Loss, which was our last episode True. of that show. Now, we have uh, a mailbag segment. We have an email address here on the show, boyfriendmaterial at cageclub.me. Not material. No, not material. Boyfriendmaterial at cageclub.me. Send us pictures of cereal. Send us pictures of, like, what are your rankings of these Gosling movies? What do you think of this movie? You know, the next movie we're doing is Crazy Stupid Love. So if you want to write in your thoughts on that one, go ahead. Uh, just you know, send us email. We will read whatever on air. I told you bef- when we started recording the segment that we do have an email and, believe it or not, a new fan. Oh, we do? Really? Somebody's listening? Somebody's listening. No way. That's awesome. Yes. I'm really I stoked. Super, wow. super excited. Okay, yes. good. So, I'm really excited. Holy shit. His name is Paul Plate. Hi, Paul. He writes, subject line, Cine Minis, and then parentheses, Serials. Okay. He says, what up, guys? This is my favorite cereal. Do you have these in the States, too? Peace, Paul. Where's he, he from? He puts in here, and I'm going to put on here. I, I wonder where Paul's from, then. If he's asked, I don't know. If we have yeah, him in Paul, the let States. us know where you're from. So we call this, um, what the fuck is it? Cinnamon Toast Crunch. Cinnamon Toast Crunch. We have it, and I fucking love Volcorn, Cinnamon Toast Crunch. Your it looks German. This looks German. Yeah, Zitzgeschmacht. Uh, Very cereal good. looks terrifying. Very tasty. That's what that says. The the cereal itself, like the little, the little animation, looks so, so scary. Well, you think it's scary? No, I think it's super cute. I like it a lot. This is a pretty cool one. I think I like this box as much as I like the Cinnamon Toast Crunch box. Cool. Yeah, that's a cool one. But thank you, Paul, for writing in. We will put this on. We have we don't have a Facebook page for this podcast, but on the Cage Club Facebook page. We love sharing our serial friends. I put together a photo album of all these serial pictures that people have sent in, so I will put this there. If you want to check out this Kind of cute, kind of scary, cereal, you know, very tasty, cine minis. So thank you, Paul. Write in next month. Let us know where you're from. Anybody else write in? Give us thoughts on I'm glad. the show, Thank you, thank on you cereal, Paul, for writing whatever. in. We appreciate it. We don't get a lot of emo here, but we like Ryan Gosling. We hope you like Ryan Gosling. Apparently you yeah. found us, so awesome. Yeah. Okay, so the next segment we have here 
Canadian Goose on the loose, Canadian Gaz. On the laws. On the laws. This is our Ryan Gosling news roundup segment. The big news is that First Man is playing festivals. It's playing in Italy, I think. It's playing in TIFF. There's a lot of buzz about it. It's getting really good reviews. There's a lot of interviews, a lot of press junkets. People are loving First Man. I'm super excited to see it. Yes, I agree. And you were just in Toronto, but you didn't see it because you weren't there doing TIFF stuff, but you were there. So you were around. You, you felt the vibe. Yes. Could you, just, could you just feel like you were on the moon? Was it just radiating into you? It was so radiating into me. I have a couple different like UVB stories rays. tangential to TIFF and to I do. Toronto I and do. to the movie. I do. I want to say the best one. I want to steal your thunder. Go for it. The best one is apparently some cafe in Toronto successfully yep. convinced him to come to the cafe to get coffee because they just had this like large cardboard cutout mm-hmm. of him and they're just like they were like taking all these like pictures and telling everybody that he needs to come through there and apparently Goss like did actually fucking show up and drink coffee there. That's like the coolest thing ever. Good for them. Good for the They did like a ten day press junket of sorts or ten day promotional push on Twitter, hashtag Ryan needs grinder because it's like grinder coffee in Toronto. That's an they interesting hashtag out of him. By the way. Yes. That's a I agree. Very, I thought about that too. That's a very interesting hashtag. Because mm-hmm. thankfully he's Canadian gods on the laws. But there's a double entendre there that now maybe Paul might or might not know. I don't know about what he knows and what apps exist in Germany. Grinder is a gay dating app in America. Yeah. So, but it's spelled without an e, and yes. this has an e in it. So it it's does not quite that, but it is still pretty close. It's still pretty close. So, like when I first started, I I was reading the article and it was like. Ryan needs grinder, and I was like, "Oh, is it like, well, like, how the fuck did they convince him to get there with that?" You know, and then I was like, "Oh no, grinder coffee." Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, do you have any other gods and laws? Because I have a few. Like, I have things that are sort of small, sort no, of whatever. But that was the big fun one for me. I just wanted to steal your thunder on yeah, the fun one. No, that's fine. Uh, one thing is that at the Venice Film Festival, Ryan Gosling and Lady Gaga shine as leads at the Venice Film Festival. So she's okay, in she's, Star is yeah. Born, and he's in First Man, and they're both getting rave reviews over there. So that's that. Star is Born. I just saw her doing. Like, no, who did I see doing press for it this morning? Bradley Cooper? No, no, you know what? I saw Matthew McConaughey doing press for something else on TV this morning. He's, okay. like, in a new movie. Sorry. I, and I was mixing them because they were talking about Star is Born about it, too. But he, um, Bradley Cooper wasn't on it. So the big other thing about First Man is that Donald Trump doesn't want to watch Ryan Gosling movie First Man because there's not enough American flag. Did you see this story? <laughs> oh, God. Is this real? I believe it is. So he told the Daily Caller, it's unfortunate. It's almost like they're embarrassed the achievement coming from America. I think it's a terrible thing when you think of Neil Armstrong (laughs) and you think of landing on the moon. You think of the American flag. For that reason, I wouldn't want to watch the movie. What if it's on USA and it just says USA along the bottom in like the watermark? Will you watch it then? Is that like enough flag for you? There is also, not this, but there is also a controversy, if you will, that the director, Damien Chazelle, who also did La La Land, who also did Whiplash, he's American, but Gosling playing this American hero is Canadian, and so Gosling has made jokes about, like, hope they don't find out that I'm Canadian, or whatever, (laughs) because, you know, he's playing one of our great heroes, but... So, yeah, I saw that, and I was just like, oh, boy, like, we are really living in the upside down. How do you want to not watch a movie... That you haven't seen, but know that there's not enough of something in the movie. I don't know, but if you ask uh, him, you know, he's, it's probably the worst movie he's ever seen. <laughs> Thanks, asshole. 
<laughs> I have another little bit of news that said, so I, we talked about a while ago, I think, that Ryan Gosling has a band called uh, Dead Man's Bones, which I really, really like. I don't know if we... Yeah. I don't know if you've listened to them. No, but, I haven't. Uh, the band Behemoth, who I think is an Icelandic or a European metal band, uh, had ins- Ryan Gosling inspired Behemoth to use a kids' choir on their new album. And the singer was talking about how you know Ryan Gosling has this band and Dead Man's Bones. They use like kids' choirs on a bunch of their songs, and they apparently liked the idea, liked the sound so much that they used kids' choirs on their album. So I just thought I wonder that was where he cool. got the kids' choir from, like Gosling. I wonder where he gets it from. Do you think maybe one of his, like, secret children is, like, in the kids' choir? Probably not. I think it's older. I mean, his kids are real babies. What yeah, are you talking about secret kids that we don't know about? No, I'm, I'm, I thought that, well, we don't, I don't really know the ages. I know that, like, Eva Mendes was carrying one of them, but I don't, like, know the ages of them. You know what I mean? So. Yeah, I think these kids' choirs are probably, like, kids around 10. I don't think they're, you know, toddlers, but who I don't knows? know. Who maybe, knows? but who knows? We also have, you know, tangentially related to Gaz and the Laws, Canadian Goose and the Loose. We have the Goss sip column and here's two things that sort of fit more into that number one emily mortimer says ryan gosling made her jealous of the sex doll in lars and the real girl which is a movie that we're going to get to soon that i saw a while ago but i have not seen in a while you know i love that you know we're gonna have to really you know weigh our options when we get to that most or least boyfriend material is loving a doll more than a person boyfriend material or not oh glad that i have some time to think on that one thank you absolutely and the last little bit of news, and this is something that I didn't know that I posted, Ryan Gosling and Sandra Bullock, the Hollywood couple we all forgot about. They were a couple? Apparently. So they were in for a how, movie she's together. She's older than him, right? Yes. In 2002. Good for him. Which is called Proof of Life. Um, and they started, I think they just started dating around that time. So uh, when we get there years from now it will be very interesting to you know look at them because we love sandra bullock here on the network wistful thinking was almost a sandra bullock podcast but then became something else instead became became their wonderful podcast instead you know we love sandra bullock here and i like sandy it'll be she's cool. interesting to see yeah exactly. i just saw oceans eight recently she's pretty good in it it was yeah. a fun it was a fun movie it was like very it was very oceansy but i liked it i still had fun mm-hmm. watching it so sure so that is that that's all the news that i have all the news that's fit to print here for Boyfriend Material. This is where we would normally take a commercial break and bring in our guest, but we are guestless Thank on this episode. No guest for Thank the Eyes of March next month. Gosh. We will have uh, Island Addington for Crazy Stupid Love Island oh, of the Contenders podcast. Who we just had on Stop Loss. Too. Mm-hmm. So here we are for the Ides of March. Again, this is a movie that I think I mentioned last month. This is a movie that was covered on another show on our network, PSL of Hoffman, the Philip Seymour Hoffman podcast. Yes. I know that I only thought about this because Brian was talking about it when we were talking about what's coming up. Mm-hmm. When we were talking about it. He said, oh, yeah, it's a PSL of Hoffman movie. As I was watching it, it like Philip Seymour Hoffman popped in, and I was like, oh, shit, yeah, Brian said he t- he talked about this movie. That makes sense. That's right. Yeah. And this is toward the end of uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman's career. I think it's... Oh, really? Episode, like, 52. Yeah, because I think he died, you know, three years later. So I think I think this is close to one of his final ten films. Oh, wow. Uh, he plays George Clooney's senior campaign advisor. Gosling plays, I guess, his sort of, like, his second-in-command, like, the, the junior campaign advisor. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's really good in this movie. He's really um, he's, good. There's he's really always good, good, honestly. He is always good. I, I do love Philip Seymour Hoffman. He, I think he's a really good actor. I think this, seeing him and Goss together was yeah. really good. They were both, like, and then you have George Clooney there, too, who's also playing a great role. So I think that the acting was all around really good in this movie. You know what my big takeaway from this movie was? What? That I think it's only the year before the place beyond the pines, but just the looks like he looks 
so young in this movie. He looks so young in this movie. Like it feels like really? he jumped three years. You don't think that? No, I. I mean, I think a going from bit... a tattooed, smoking mo- uh, biker to being this guy who basically looks like fresh-faced and sort of this young upstart. Like I feel like, but I don't think it's he's only aged a year since difference. this. I don't like that's the problem. Like I don't think he's like really looks older now than he does in this. So that's why I'm like. He doesn't look any older or younger. It just okay. looks like a different character to me. Because, like, in Blade Runner, he still looks just like he does here. He still has a baby face. So, yeah, I just think eyes. that he's more, not, like, haggard, not world-weary. I think he's just, I think you can see that the age, you can see the age more on him now. I mean, this was seven years ago. I, I do feel like he looks older now. It doesn't look worse. Maybe even looks better. Uh, I just think that he, I to me, he looks really, really young here. Okay, yeah. I mean, I can see it. I, the baby face thing gets me, though, so, like, I always think he looks young. The other big takeaway that I had in this movie is that it's a Westworld pre-union. Yes! I... Dolores and Bernard. I know. So, when I was watching the movie, does Bernard pop up first, or does Dolores? Dolores does, because I wrote down Dolores, and I was like, <laughs> then my next note is, wait, Bernard too? Okay, so I saw Bernard first, but I recognized Dolores, and I was like... Oh, again, I know you're going to get at me. All white people look the same to me, but I always think all of these women are Brie Larson. So I looked in the movie to, to make sure it wasn't Brie Larson for mm-hmm. some reason. And I was like, I was like, what is this name? I know this name. And then I looked and I was like, oh, fuck, it's Dolores. Yeah. Yes. I saw Bernard. I noticed it was definitely Bernard first, but the different yep. color hair threw me. And I think all of these girls look like Brie Larson. So. Well, Evan Rachel Wood also looks really like she looks really young here and she's got a she different does. haircut. She and, does. you know, yep. Bernard. You know, Jeffrey Wright looks pretty similar. He's also like an older dude, so like an extra five years on him is not going to make as much of a difference. He looks way younger difference. to me, in my yeah. opinion, like between oh, this really? and Westworld. He looked way younger, yeah. But he's still very clearly him. It's very clearly him, but like between this and Westworld, this seems like 15 years later to me. Okay, Even though Goss fair. looks the same. Yeah, I could see like a lot more age on him, and I don't know if it's just like character and makeup or what, but he looks way younger in this. I think in Westworld, he just has, like, this constant state of exhaustion, and here he's kind of, like, this energetic, in a way, you know, opportunistic senator who's like, oh, I'll endorse you if you make me my your, your vice president or whatever. Like, it feels like he's got things to lose, whereas in Westworld, he's literally a spoilers you know he's just he's just sort of plugging along in a way yes i, I think it's the gray hair for me mainly you should be also yeah he's balding in westworld and everything yeah just in case just in case nobody's gotten that far in westworld yet i'll be so sad if you ruined that for me the other thing is that this is the second of three team-ups with gosling and uh your girl our girl Marissa Tomei, that she was in The Big Short. Oh, that's right. Though I don't know that they ever interacted, and apparently she's going to be in next month's movie, too, Crazy Stupid Love. But here, really? they actually have scenes together. You know this. I've said it before. I say it again. You know what I thought You know what I thought about Marissa Tomei today? She is an older, more attractive Mila Kunitz. I can see that. I think she's a much better actress than Mila Kunitz. Like, I like Mila For Kunitz sure. a lot, but I don't know that she's a very good actress. I can we will agree. get to one of my favorite movies, just period, uh, on Mila Kunis' movie on Magic Mike's Jupiter Ascending, which people hate. I don't know that she's a good actress. I just really like her. I think Marissa Tomei, I mean, obviously she won an Academy Award yeah. for one of the best characters in the history of cinema, Mona Lisa Vito in My Cousin Vinny. Yeah. But she's just really good here as like a plucky kind of, you know, political journalist trying to get the scoop however she can, offering Gaz sexual favors as a joke, but still like, hook me up and I'll if, hook you up. If Marissa Tomei looked me in the eyes and said sexual favors, I would have had the same Gaz like deadpan look 
trying to figure out if she's telling the truth or not until she laughed. Yeah. I would have been like, huh? You know, like when you like talk to a dog and it doesn't understand you and you kind of just like start drifting. <laughs> yeah. He kind of deflects. He's just like, you're engaged. And she's like, so? And he's like, oh, like, uh. That's what I mean. Yeah. And he's like, uh. Obviously, there's a stacked cast, you know, Philip Seymour Hoffman. George Clooney is the star. He is the governor that they are trying to get to win the uh, the, the the nomination for Democratic, the Democratic nomination for president. This is apparently loosely based on, or the play was loosely based on Howard Dean's run in 2004 to become this. Oh, so, okay. Uh, so it's it's sort of based on, I, I guess, some kind of reality in a way. But That's yeah. cool. When the movie started, though, I really thought, because, you know, we don't watch, I don't watch trailers, I don't know if you did or not, but I had no, no conceptions going into this movie, so when I right. went to watch it, I thought we were going to get Governor Goss out the jump. Oh, okay, because, yeah, he, he, he starts out with that movie speech. up with a political speech, yeah. So I was like, oh, fuck, is it going to be Goss? And then, like, you know, like, the light's just on him, and it pans out, and they're like, oh, raise the podium for the governor. I was like, fuck. But I was hoping we got a Governor Goss. He looked just really, really young, you know, so. We could. I mean, I don't know that we, you know, we're going backwards now, so, you know, the younger Probably he gets, not, the yeah. less likely it is that he plays a politician. Possible, who knows? But, you know, he would sort of fit that. He's got that clean-cut look. Oh, yeah. He's got that, you know, all-American, even though he's Canadian, but he's got that all-American, you know, I would vote for that face. To face. tie it back in, you know who he reminds me of? Is who? the guy who runs a against Frank Underwood, the, like, army guy. Remember him? Oh, yeah, 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 okay. Who was, like, clean-cut and tall and, like, younger. He, like, yep. remind- he could play this character really well, I think. Sure, yeah. Yeah. Let's see here. So, yeah, the, the, the story is that Clooney's running for, you know, he's a governor of Ohio, I think, no, right? he's not. Or he's, he's the governor of... Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania. That's what it is. yep. Because that's his state, right? Yep. But they're in Ohio. They're just, you know, debating in Ohio to try to win the support of the people, but also of the senator of Ohio, who was either promised, you know, secretary of state or vice president. And so they're jockeying for position. Paul Giamatti plays the campaign manager of the other politician, who yes. I don't know if we see or he's just a very minor role, but it's really just I don't about think we the. See him. Yeah. For being the star, like, Clooney's also not in this a ton. You know what I mean? Like, no, it's, it's a very movie. much about the behind the scenes. Yeah, it's a Goss movie for sure. Like, yeah. he, he's definitely, like, carrying the movie. The thing that I noticed, though, is d- I had no idea that Ohio had, like, an open primary like this. Did you? I don't know much about politics, so no, I did not. I, like, learn as I go. But, like, you know, if you're not in the state, you don't really, like, research the other state's primaries, you know? Because like, it, doesn't, it doesn't affect you, right? It doesn't yeah. affect me. So, like, when they were like, oh, yeah, like, well, like, all the Republicans are just going to go vote for the other guy. And I'm like, fucking genius. Like, what? Like, how does how is that legal? You know what I mean? But, hey, it makes sense. Yeah, because they say that, you know, they're going to vote for the guy that they think their guy can beat. Exactly. So. Like, yeah. how did they not st- I don't know what the benefit or... I, I like, want to talk to f- someone from Ohio to figure this out. Like, I need, like, an Do Ohio... Do we know anybody from Ohio? I know people from Ohio, but I don't know if they're the right people for political, political talk. Okay. Yeah. Not, it's not even, like, political talk. I just want to be like, how do the primaries work? And, like, why do you do this? And stuff like yeah. that. So the, the the big narrative plot of the movie, and also where all of the... Pretty much all of the most and least boyfriend material moments come from, is that Gosling sort of starts an affair of sorts with Evan Rachel Wood, who plays a very young intern. Hey, and let's not be sexist. She starts an affair with him. True, yes. She, Although I'm saying he starts an affair with her because he's in a position of power. And, and much not. older. And because from and what's implied older. is that she's a teenager. She says yes. a teenager. So, yes. yes. 
True. As the movie goes on, we find out that when after they spent the night together, or while they're spending the night together, uh, Clooney calls her at 2.30 in the morning, and it comes out that, you know, again, we don't know necessarily that this is true, but there's enough truth She tells in him. It. Yeah. Yes. Clooney and she had an affair, or uh, like a one-night stand, and he got her pregnant, and now she needs money for an abortion, which is what we were talking about before. Yes. Abortion talk. Then Gosling uses that leverage to oust Philip Seymour Hoffman as the campaign manager. Very complex story. We could talk about it. Reinsert himself after he's been fired into that role uh, because he realizes that he has all this leverage on Clooney because the number one rule in politics is you can't fuck the interns. They'll get you for that. Yeah, that was really funny. What did he say? He said, like, you can start a war, you can lie, you can cheat, you can steal, but the one rule is don't fuck the interns. They'll get Mm -hmm. you for that, which is actually pretty funny now that you think about it, right? Like, I was laughing at how funny this movie was being seven years ago where they're like, nobody's going to go vote in these primaries. Like, nobody cares. And, like, and Marissa Tomei is like, what's the worst that can happen? Like, a guy wins. Is anything really going to change? You know, like, stuff like that. And I was just like, huh. Like, yep. there's a good, fuck, who's the Michael, the guy on SNL? Michael Che? He said a thing, he goes, somebody asked me the other day, like, did you see what the president did? And I was like, no, I want to go back to a time where I don't give a fuck what the president did. Like, shit just <laughs> happens. And I'm like, no, I don't know what the fuck the president did. Like, yeah. I'm not watching that shit. And it was funny to, like, go back to that time, right? To, like, to watch a political movie and it'd be like, there's no implications to any of this shit. And, like, yeah. yeah. Especially because, like, it, like and it's also in a time in the race or the whatever where it's still so Close? early or well, no it's like early because like it's it's before it's before there's even like the, the democratic nominee like he's still you know it, it seems like months away from getting that and then he'll have to compete against the republican oh, nominee this shit or is the... serious man yeah like yeah before i would like pay 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 attention you know you would just like get a candidate and you'd be like oh that kind of happened cool guess they figured it out but like obviously there's like years of behind the scenes work to like make this happen and it's cool yeah. to see a movie that like yeah. accentuates that now. Yeah, and it's because it, this really is, you know, it, it's it's sort of in a way what House of Cards is too, right? Like it's it's the rise. Like it's it sort of would be like if this movie was George Clooney going from because toward the end, you know, when when Phyllis Hoffman and Gosling have that big confrontation, and Hoffman's like. I was open to him and he lost that race, but because I was open and honest with him, he brought me back and he won the next thing and that's why I'm here today or whatever. Yes. And like if this movie were sort of that story from Clooney's perspective, it would be House of Cards. Yeah. Going from whip to whatever to vice president to president to dead. <laughs> you know, it's it's the it's the rise, essentially the like constant manipulation, the constant of pulling the strings and deals and like backroom handshakes and everything that get you from being whoever to really one step away from president oh you know what it makes me think of now because i was just watching it tommy carchetti in the wire where it's like yeah yeah yeah. where you start out and everybody's like look i'm gonna change shit and then they're like okay well like i'm gonna change shit and i'm not gonna do this but maybe i'll just do it once and then i'll just do the and then you're just like in the cycle of just like you're just doing the same shit that everybody else is doing anyway so yeah i could definitely see that that this is house of cards but this is like the doug stanhope character in house of cards right exactly Wow, it really is, because doesn't Doug Stanhope have, like, some kind of, like, getting somebody pregnant, too? Damn, okay. Yeah, the the, the Russian girl or whatever, right? Yeah, now that it, wow. Really much is House of Cards. I didn't realize yeah. the parallel until you said it, and then now I'm, like, in it, so. Yeah, I think that Russian girl, or that, that girl that he, you know, puts the apartment together, I think she is the same actress who is the marvelous Mrs. Maisel in that show on Amazon. I think that's the same actress, so. Ooh. 
she's had a, a come up too so there we go before we get into like the, the Evan Rachel Wood Gosling relationship, because that's where the boyfriend material moments are, and we can sort okay. of talk about that as we go. What else about the, like what what did you like about this movie so much? Because I, I enjoyed it, but I think it feels like and it sounds like, and based on your list, that you like this a lot more than I did. I'm not a fan of these like political movies. I don't want to see documentaries about like how some guy won or lost. But this was a fun expose, and by them not fo- – they, they took me for a loop with the, like, I felt like this movie was going to be a movie about the governor and how he wins with some backdoor deal, right? But no, it's a movie about Goss running the campaign and then being about, like, the behind-the-scenes of it, kind of, but not in a way that's, like – this is like how we convince this county to win. If you ever watch like Scandal, that was what that was about. And it was like, well, if we get like this one county to win and we get like the votes from that, then like this, all this other shit will happen. Whereas this was more like the behind the scenes scandal of like running the campaign and like backdoor deals in between them and like the, the mental chess of it. And that's why I like this movie. Yeah, because there's really only one line like that and it's such a big picture where Hoffman's like, if we, we win, win Ohio, this state, then we go to New York or North Carolina and win his state, and then we go to Pennsylvania and win your state, and, it's over. and the math is there. And like that's it. Like that's just one line. Like yeah. here's our plan, and like basically you give him what he wants, he endorses you. We're the it's nominee. over. Yeah, yep. it's cool that it's big picture, but it's also it's in a way it's like big picture, and it's also like really kind of you know small picture too. Yeah, still it's still playing the game. It's like look, like the, if this one domino falls, everything else will happen. It's more about the games that the campaigns are playing amongst each other than it is about him getting the nominee or running again. I thought that was going to be like, oh, he's, he's going to get the nominee. He's going to like run against the other guy or something like that. Not this interplay between like the two campaigns trying to almost sabotage each other, but not really because they're kind of on the same team. So that's like a really interesting dynamic for me. Well, they, they are on the same team sort of, but you also watch like the primaries, whether it's a Republican or the Democratic primaries, you know, a couple years ago. And it's like, oh yeah, they're all like on the same team, but they're also like all like trying to make the others look bad so that they can, you know, rise to the top. So, but, but that's the catch. You can't, you can't make them balance. look too bad. That's the beauty, the beauty of it. Like you right. have to make them look bad, but you can't like, you can't make them look that bad. Cause if he wins and the story about the DNC chair's daughter and him having an affair comes out, then you burn your own bridge. You know what I, yep. so it's like this mm-hmm. weird dynamic that you have to like toe the line of being an asshole, which I really like. Well, and then, you know, it's not this at all, but then say, you know, Clooney goes on to whatever, like, now we see in these, like, midterm elections, like, everybody who spoke honestly and openly about Trump are now, like, pulling a 180, like, oh, no, 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 like, he's great, like, look at what he's done for the party, and, like, this whole, like... Either way, a, we see it on both sides, we yeah. see him, we see, like, guys come up and be like, we really support him now, who didn't, and then some people are like, we don't support him, who were right beside him, so, yeah, it's really, like, the midterms and stuff are really, really interesting. Yeah. Primaries, man. That's why I like this movie. And I liked it because we're right in the middle. Also, like, as we're recording this, as it's going to come out, we're, like, right in the middle of the midterm. So, like, I'm kind of in it. This is, like, you know, I went and voted in the primaries for the midterms. And, like, I'm getting ready to vote in November for the midterms. And they're running all these, like, they're actually running governor campaign stuff all over the news for Connecticut right now. I'm like, oh, man, this is, like, this is better than me watching 
40 attack ads of a governor when gosling's like oh what new like what is going to happen tonight he's like i'm just throwing shit and hope that something sticks and she's like well what where where will i see this what paper and he's like any paper (laughs) you know like he just i just want to like throw dirt and see what to see what lands here Mm -hmm. and stuff and i was like oh that's pretty cool there's something that gosling says in this movie that is the effect of there's like a slur about his opponent and gosling says i don't care if it's true i just want to hear him deny it and that's something that linda b johnson apparently said that he said that an opponent used oh. to have sex with farm animals and oh. then one of his aides was like you can't say that. he's like he's like no but i just want to hear like I, I know that's not true but like <laughs> i just want to hear him deny because like if you deny it then you give it credibility you know what i mean like it's just sort of yeah thing you have to that's just, a, yeah. i love this technique yeah that's really funny i i think that that's really funny and i like hearing people do that too when like they just have to come up i i like watching sarah huckabee sanders have to talk about shit all the time like i watch like a lot of the white house press briefings now and she just has to like go up and just talk about shit and it's just like for yep. her to even have to address it is hilarious like from either side you know what i mean like it doesn't even matter what she's saying she just has to talk about some like ridiculous shit all the time and you're like wow i can't believe like an official white house press briefing had to say whatever you know like whether or not you have a a, what a diamond mine in sri lanka or Mm -hmm. you know you fucked a farm animal like you just have to be like no of course you didn't fuck a farm like you just have to say it so that's yeah that's really funny to me what i like about this like the idea of it or the execution of it is that there's probably a bunch of different movies like this a lot of different stories you can tell about the campaign trail that aren't what you normally see and i think that is like a, a unique sort of take on something that we're all sort of pretty familiar with. You're hitting you're hitting exactly why I liked it. it right now we're surrounded by all of this shit so to see like a take that wasn't normal campaigning shit I was like wow yep. cool this is fun and exciting and new and it's a drama like it's it's a movie so it was more fun than watching CNN all day or something. What I was actually a little surprised by was that very early on in the movie, you know, Gosling's kind of making jokes, like he's doing the stuff like in that when you, when we what? think he's a politician, he's sort of like, it's not jokes, but he's like sort of like having a little bit of fun with it. And I was like, oh, it's going to be like a comedy. And like, there's like, there's almost like no humor the rest of the, the entire rest of the movie. It just it's very serious. Yeah. Yeah. I thought it was funny though. Like I, I, I was definitely chuckling at it. Just like you know their interactions and like what they were saying and stuff like that, and how he was reacting to certain things. I think Gauze brings like a lighter drama to a lot of movies. Like he cuts in like a lot of lightness, even though he's a pretty serious actor. It's his soft eyes, man. That's what it is. Gets me every yeah. time. He'll just like look into the camera and you'll be like, oh yeah, it's okay. There's something I was watching where somebody said, oh, look at his eyes. And it was something like really blue eyes. I was like, oh, that's like a, you know, a Joe Two thing. <laughs> yeah. I don't thinking about me. Was. I don't, I don't remember what it was. It doesn't matter. It's okay. Okay. So let's talk about, uh, Emma Rachel Wood and Gosling because here are, you know, some, some potential nominees for most and least boyfriend material moments. I'll give you a couple of mine. Maybe you have a couple different ones. Okay. You know, they have the, uh, the, the one, what is prelude, seems to be at the first night. Yes. The governor says, are you dating anyone? And Goss says, no, governor, I'm married to the campaign. Yes. And he's like, great answer, son. Mm-hmm. So we know that Goss, like, at least he's saying, I don't think that he's like married or has like anybody else. He's like one of these guys that's like a politician. Like he's trying to run campaigns. Like this is his goal right now. This is his it's job. Career. This yeah. is his career. He's not worried about women or anything. So Yeah. But, you know, they have what seems to be at the time the one night stand, him and Evan Rachel Wood. And then well, the next he meets morning. The, he meets this intern. She comes in. Oh, we're, we're going step by step. Okay. Okay. I wanted to go back and, like, set up the whole sure. relationship. The intern comes in. She's like, oh, here's your new phone because they have to switch phones or whatever. And she's like, all the numbers are programmed. And they have this, like, very flirtatious moment 
where Goss is like, you know, what are you doing or where do I remember you from? And she's like, you don't remember? And he's like, no. And she's like, oh, I was in Iowa with you. And he's like, oh, yeah, like you were in Iowa. I remember now. And she's like, like, he's like, did you change your hair? And she's like, no. <laughs> you know, like he's like trying to be super suave about it and just using like all the standard lines. And she's like, no, you just totally don't remember who I am at all. Well, he doubles down on that because she's like, give me a call. And he's like, it's under you Mary. My number. It's under Mary. He's like, I know your name's Mary. He's like, no, my name's Molly. He's like, oh, man. Yeah. Burnt. She just wrecks him. That was like one of the best, like, like you were trying to flirt and have no idea what's going on thing. It was awesome. So yep. I really like this scene. Yeah. But then they go out for drinks and they're really hitting it off. They're talking no, no, about. He meets her. She says like my hotel has a better bar come over to my hotel which come over to my hotel is like game on right like no they're not at his hotel though they're not at the hotel because they're talking about driving yeah they're, they're at like, the hotel know, this she... is the thing yeah because he goes to her hotel bar she says there's a much better bar at my hotel because you stay at the millennium and we stay at this like ramada or something and she's like but my bar is much better and he's like Okay, and then, like, when he goes to meet her at the bar, you know, stuff happens in between, but he goes to meet her at the bar, and he says, how old are you? And she says, 20. And she goes, what are the laws about 20-year-old, like, fucking a 30-year-old or something? And he's like, it's pretty frowned upon in Kentucky, but if we go across the river in my hotel, it's totally fine. They have different laws. And that's why she says why well, can't drive but i have the keys to the bus and then you see the bus parked in front of the hotel i yeah i guess i must have missed that part about the hotel because i yes. i knew i, I just thought they were a third party hotel because i felt like they had to get one place or the other no she was staying there he came to meet her at that bar and then they were gonna like hook up there but then he was like what about the laws here and then they drive across the street yeah but i mean it's a, it's a 20 year old like it's it's just you know drink at the better bar sleep at the better hotel that's that's the that's the gist of it yeah well they go back they have their they do their thing they wake up in the morning he's on the phone she's like whispering in his ear just like you know you want me to go you want me to go he's like no then he says oh it's no one it's the cleaning lady <laughs> yeah and which so, is really funny funny but also not very boyfriend material moment that like very unboyfriend evening, yes. evening with this girl and is like oh no that's First, he says that she's nobody, and then says she's the cleaning lady. So it's like, oh, okay. And then she even like calls him out on like, oh, I'm the cleaning lady. And then they have like a little, bit, little bit of a joke of it, of it later when she IMs him like, you know, oh, do you need your hotel room cleaned? But it's still not a very boyfriend material moment to have called the girl you literally just slept with the cleaning lady. Yeah, I mean, well, I call Rachel the cleaning lady all the time. Well, <laughs> shout out Rachel. Shout out Rachel. Oh, uh, a very boyfriend material moment we, we referenced this earlier is when he gets the money out of petty cash to pay for her abortion when he finds out <laughs> that she's in this bind. You That's know. a really boyfriend material moment? I think so. I think that he's trying to save the campaign. I don't think this has anything to do with him caring about her. Because as soon as she says that, like, this is the governor's, like, child, and he connects this, which we, we should talk about that scene first. Can we get there? Well, so I think, before we get there, hold on. Okay. So I think that if... He's powerful and manipulative enough that if he wanted to just sweep this under the rug and ruin her, he could. Like, he doesn't have to help her. He could discount her credibility. He could do all this stuff. He could get her kicked out for whatever reason. This is 100% his job as being the, like, second-in-command of the the campaign. He's doing this purely because you see, like, the look on his face even change. He's like, oh, shit, who knows about this? Who have you told? We have to take care of this immediately. I think that he's doing this purely as, like, I'm trying to save this campaign. I don't care what happens to this girl anymore. You think? Yeah. Because he's like, one, she banged the governor, so, like, I'm done with her. And two, like, I need to save this campaign because if this gets out from anybody else and, like, somebody knows about it, like, this is over for us. 
and that's why he's like okay i'm just gonna like take care of this and also i don't think the like head guy could take care of it it's like you know you need the kind of second in command to do it anyways so like he's kind of removed from it like oh i didn't know about this happening and i think it's all work no play I don't think this is a boyfriend material moment, but that's my perception of it. I just thought, like, he saw this girl in need and, like, knew, like, it was, like, I agree that it was, you know, it would have been bad for the campaign that he wanted to fix it, and that is sort of his job, but I also saw it, like, he's kind of doing something, like, he's helping her out in her time of need. Yeah, I mean, I can, I can see it from both ends, but just, like, his reaction and how quick he was, like, questioning her, not like, oh, like, it's okay, we'll take care of it, you know what I mean? Like, I'll help you. He was, like, what does this mean to the governor? Who knows? And stuff like that led me to believe that it was more like saving their own skin than helping her. Okay, I get that. Yeah. So I think, in a way, she kills herself. That She has the abortion, gets the, you know, post-procedure pills. And we can go back to the other stuff. I'm just writing down like, the things that I bolded for most released. She kills herself. She overdoses on the pills. The campaign, and I guess the coroner, whether they pay him off or not, calls it an accidental overdose of prescription medication. Well, it looks like that. Yeah, it does kind of look like that, so... But it, sure. it's not. We don't. I don't think it is. No, I'm no. She she intentionally did it. But like either way, the coroner, like if the head of the DNC's daughter is going to do this, the coroner is going to say it was accidental. He's not going to say suicide. You know right. what I mean? Yep. Like they don't even need to pay him off. Like if you're in DC and the, or like somewhere and this happens, they're going to be like, oh fuck, we can't say like she killed herself to like look out for this guy. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. This happens. She dies. There's a press conference. You know, basically saying we're condolences to because her father is the head of the DNC, like, she, yep. he's, like, this very high-ranking Democratic official, and so Clooney's speaking and gets, you know, he steps away so that Philip Stroom Hoffman can answer a question. He gets a phone call from the dead girl, from Molly, from Evan Rachel Wood, and looks around the room and sees that Gosling is calling him, and to me, in a way, this might be spiteful, this might be, you know, politically driven, which we obviously see it is, but this is also kind of, to me, a boyfriend material moment in that he's kind of avenging, he's kind I... of screwing over Clooney after her death. I 100% agree with you. I think that he's doing it to avenge her. This is where he comes back and is like, look, this girl's now dead. Like, she needs some kind of justice. Later, he spins it for his own gain, but I think that he's like, this is, like, the justice that she'll... Like, this is what good can come out of this. You know what I mean? For her, kind of, like, we need to, like... I can I, I can agree with that. I see it. Those are my, sort of, the, 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 the moments I wrote down that were most or least boyfriend material moment. Do you have anything else that you want to point out that was either particularly good or particularly bad that he did? And we can talk about later when we get yes. to the, you know, the guesses. We can review this. But other candidates, other nominees for most or least? I think least boyfriend material is when her phone rings and he answers it. I, I don't like this non-trust yep. invasion of privacy kind of we situation. Really answer. He, he takes and calls it back. Like, I feel like no, answering he answered it first. One. He answered it okay. first because later the governor says, oh, that was you that answered that night. Well, I feel, no, because I think it ran, uh, maybe, maybe, okay, yeah, but either way, like, I feel like it's the, the calling, using her phone to call back is, like, even worse, sort of. Either way, yeah, yeah, like, this yeah. whole, this whole transpiring of, like, him playing with her phone is, like, that's her shit, man, and, like, either trust her or don't, or, but, like, this, playing this game that it's, like, it's, oh, look, I'm being fun and playful, but, like, you're really trying to be, figure shit out is, like, very unboyfriend material to me. I think one of... The most boyfriend material things is when she's like tying his tie and he looks at her and he's like, you don't know how to tie a tie, do you? And she's like, no, not at all. And like, that was like a really cute, tender moment. And I thought that was like one, he like, he doesn't, he's not doing anything that's like boyfriend materially, but it just like felt like a boyfriend moment. Yeah. So that was, those were my two main ones. The, the whole phone 
scene and like him figuring out about the governor was pretty bad and i think it's specifically with the phone thing and like yeah the tie thing got me i was like oh that's very cute of them anything else that you want to nominate either sort of not 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 really nominate but you know those were my those were the two that stuck out in my head you nailed the other ones that i would have talked about anyway cool. when you were talking about them yeah is there anything else about the movie that you want to talk about before we get into other stuff i think you know well i guess we should say that at the end you know gosling gets his way that he is able to blackmail his way into the job he wants and i don't yeah. know if you go from being campaign manager to being president but i guess you could be go from being campaign manager to like chief of staff like you can get a yeah you, very you become a staffer position, position. Yeah, yeah exactly so that's what he's like his goal is is to get like a staffer position and i think he's gonna move up a lot by doing that the only thing that i want to mention is um the are you a bearcat line that comes back did you notice that university of cincinnati or whatever yeah gosling uses that line to like one of the interns at the like to dolores and then you see the guy that like had replaced Gosling, even though if it was for a minute, use the same line on another intern. And I was like, oh, it was like full circle. You know what I mean? Like they just grew up into each other type of thing. The only other thing that I have that like was really cool for me was when they were on the plane and Gosling's freaking out. And he said, like, the plane won't go down because we're doing a good thing. George Clooney's like, what about Roberto Clemente? He was on a mission trip. And that was, you know, pirates, little reference yeah. there. And it made me happy. So... That was it. Those local are the local references. Local references. Always. Always. I'm a huge fan, so I will always yep. be excited about Pittsburgh references in any movie. Just generally, the setting of this movie was awesome. What do you mean by the setting? The, like, backdrop. The, like, the scenery of it. They do a really nice shots of, like, the river and, like, alleyways and, like, stuff like that. Like, it's... I, I really like how they use the buildings. It's like literal backdoor or whatever. Yeah, like the back the backdrops, like when they're outside and like in front of the hotel and stuff like that. Like I, I really like how Ohio it is and how it feels kind of like this region. And it's like cold and fucking snowy and there's just like ice everywhere and stuff like that. Like it's not it's not pretty, it's bleak and, and the scenery matches it, you know? Yeah. I was really happy with that. So that was one of my favorite parts of the movie actually. Cool. Uh, Charlie Rose in this movie before he got Times Up or Me Too, so oh, that's, that's that right. doesn't age very well. Yeah, that's right. I totally forgot about that. There's another thing that I think when uh, you know Gosling and Evangel Wood are having sex, it seems like maybe he has like uh, ED or like he can't get it up or something. He's like, it's not you. Like he laughs. He says it's not you because he's watching the debate. Okay, well, yeah. So like he's distracted. Yeah. Uh, but, but what I wanted to say was that I've been watching a lot of MLB lately. And on MLB TV, there is apparently like every commercial right now. Yes, there's like this I've seen it for yeah. Roman for Get Roman, which is like a like a ED pill that you can discreet and you get like a app. Yeah, yeah. This is so weird. I see these commercials and I don't know how this works. It's like call a doctor from your phone and get like ED pills in the mail. And I'm like, but that's not your doctor. Like, how do you just like call a doctor through an app? Like, you just like text this. It's weird. Yeah. They also have a lot of low T commercials on MLB TV. If you notice that too, it's they're like just all... you know old dudes. Like the problems that old dudes have. <laughs> like apparently that's like the only fans of the Major League Baseball right now. It's just old dudes can't get it up for some reason. She left a note. Is a quote that I wrote down that you know she well, didn't. Oh, yeah. she, maybe maybe think... she did or maybe she didn't. But you know that's a good question. It. I was going to ask you. Do you think she did leave a note or no? I don't know because like Gosling wasn't the first on the scene. It was that other guy. You know what I mean? And like but he said there's a note on her phone. Campaign. He said there's oh, a note on her phone. Well, and he stole her phone. Uh, remember? Yeah, I don't know. That's all. What caught me off guard about this movie is that they use phones and they're showing him like scrolling through things. And like now you watch you know like a movie with an iPhone and like everybody sees like you're able to understand like what's going on. And here he's like sort of doing things like you can follow it, but it's like it's like oh like let's watch him like 
like go home, go home, like top messages. Like it's just like it felt very antiquated in that way. Well, that's because that's actually because of the House of Cards thing where they put the bubbles on the screen when you'd see a text message and it would just be like boop boop boop. Yep. And then that's like the best way to do it. And I think that like once we figured that out, like that's the only way that you should show text on screen now. Oh, so okay, so two other things. So Brad Pitt was cast in the Philip Seymour Hoffman role, but was replaced. Ooh. Uh, this so would have been really that. interesting. And the big short. They were together in the big short, so this would be interesting. It would have just been like a full big short casting then, right? Because we'd still have Marissa Tomei and everything. Yeah. Why mm-hmm. are we weird? Yeah. But uh, in, in the big short casting, before Ryan Gosling was cast in that role, Leonardo DiCaprio was cast in the role, then dropped out, uh, but stayed on through as an executive producer yes, through I his production company. Yes, I noticed that at the end. I noticed that at the end, but I didn't know that he was cast as Gosling's role. Yes. Mm-hmm. I think he's a little too old for it, even here, right? Well, he's he not, looks young. I don't think he's that much older than Gosling, really. Is he? Can we look it up? Yeah, let's let's get Leonardo DiCaprio is 43. Okay. Ryan Gosling is 37. So, like, yeah, five, six years. You know, it's it's not crazy. No, you're right. You're right. But I think that you needed somebody that looks, like, older, and you need somebody that looks much younger so that you could have the dichotomy between a Philip Seymour Hoffman veteran pro and a new young blood coming up, you know? So like, I don't think that you could have got that as much with El Cap. So yeah, I get that. And Oh, Chris Pine. Um, you know, Chris Pine, the guy for the lead of Star Trek, he was considered for the role before Ryan Gosling was cast. Okay. The okay. only other thing is that I'm trying to figure who this was in the movie. I don't know who this is, but Ryan Gosling wrote, while they were filming, uh, wrote a screenplay that's as yet unproduced with this guy Jacob Sullivan while they were filming this movie. And I don't know who he was, Jacob Sullivan. Um, what is he's not, I don't think he's an actor in the movie. I don't know who it was, but he, he wrote a screenplay on set. So there we go. That's my last little bit of trivia about Eyes of March. Interesting. Yeah, those are yeah. good ones. I, it's a lot of weird castings that I don't know. Yeah, I've, I always like casting little bits. Uh, okay, okay. Uh, I'm just trying to see, like, I'm just scrolling through. Like, I, the notes, like, I have notes that are, like, all over the place. It's just, you know, nothing. Yeah, really no, I, I covered everything that I had in my notes, for sure. I didn't take okay. too many notes. I just enjoyed the movie. Well, so the next thing that we're going to do here on the show, as always, is the... Tri- oh, before that, we got a game. I forgot about this game. Hey, guys, what's in your hands? Hey, guys, what's in your hands? What's in your hands, guys? Phones. A cell phone? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Definitely a cell phone. What else did he have in his hand? He's not holding a lot of things in this A movie. podium? Sure, okay. He's like podium, podium, podiuming. Probably, I mean, we don't see it, but probably uh, the keys to the campaign bus, because I'm sure he's not going to let the intern drive the bus. Yeah, she said she doesn't drive anyways. So yeah, that, um, the intern. True. A tie. Uh, a tie, yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's some interesting stuff. We don't get any... We definitely don't get any um, musical instruments in this one, huh? No, unfortunately. I wish you would have, like, a, a... Oh, he has, like, a he has like a microphone. He's, like, the ear microphone. It's not really in his hands. It's in his ear. At the very end of the movie? Yeah. Mm-hmm. The earpiece. That's about it. That's all I can think of. That's all I can remember. I think that's all I got, too. Sort yeah. of a, a relatively successful one. Yeah. Of, you know... Of some new things. Hands. Yeah. Definitely some new things. All right, time to watch the trailer, which I haven't seen. You said you saw the trailer, or you didn't see the trailer. No, I didn't. I, that's why I was saying, like, I didn't know anything about the movie. Oh, right, 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 right. Okay, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I remember. You. Okay, so if you search the Eyes of March trailer on YouTube, there is one with two hundred seventy-five thousand views. Eyes of March two thousand eleven official HD trailer from Movie Clips trailers posted seven years ago. I put it in the chat. Let me know when you're ready to play it. We can play it. Together. He buffered. He buffered good. I'm ready to go whenever you are, bud. All right. Three, two, one, play. 
Capri Mooney. Wait. Oh, that's when he's. Okay? Yeah, Roberto Clemente is lying. We have to do it. It's the right thing to do, and nothing bad happens when you're doing the right thing. Is this your personal theory? Because I can shoot holes. Is this your personal well, theory about doing the right thing? Oh. That's see. That's an interesting scene to start the trailer off with. I feel like. Yeah, it makes it look like they're about to have a plane crash, right? Yeah. Although this yeah. this movie isn't also very visually spectacular, like I don't know how you sell this movie. Like you have to really drum up the the personal conflict, the personal drama, the personal injury. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's it's a lot more. Um, it's definitely definitely not pretty. You're right. Like and and visually appealing. I mean, it looks nice, it's just not the kind of movie where you can have explosions or, you know, funny one-liners or, like, exactly. you know, beautiful people in, like, not not much clothes. You know what I mean? Like, there's a lot of dudes in suits talking to each other in, in rooms. Yeah, that's what that's what the trailer is looking like so far. It's, like, Philip Seymour Hoffman and George Clooney talking to each other. They're they're playing up the conflict of, like, him trying to jump ships is what they're trying to do here. Or do you want to work for the president? I don't have to play Do you want to work for him or do you want to work I for the president? More. I don't have to play dirty. All of Today these kind of things. Gosling looking sad in the crowd of people. Bernard in the background. So that's from the end of the movie after he's endorsed him. It's kind of a spoiler. Yeah. I don't think I would have remembered this if I like went into the movie and was watching it, though. You're right. It's kind of weird that we never see the other candidate. I don't know that it's necessarily weird because it's not about him. It's not even really about Clooney either, like I was saying. You know what I mean? Yeah, true. I'm coming to work for you. Like, it's not like adding him to the movie would have given us anything that we didn't get already. True. I'm glad that there's a lot of flags in this movie. I hope the president watched this one. There's a lot of flags in the backgrounds of stuff. Marissa Tomei playing this, like, reporter is really cool, too. Yeah. The shot on the river, that's what I was talking about when I was like, oh, I really like the shots of the river. Okay. Yeah. They're making this way more intense than it is at parts that weren't intense. Yeah, I mean, the movie does have a dead body in it, but, you know, other, like, there's not a murder. No. It's not House of Cards. No, it's definitely not. Yeah, like, I don't know if I would see that, you know, based on that, but... I wouldn't you know. This movie cost $12.5 million to make it, made $76 million, so, I mean, it was very successful, very financially... Wow profitable. Okay. This movie also reminds me a lot of a movie that I don't know if you've seen. I know that Mike, Resident Story, Mike Manzi and I have talked about came out, I think, two years ago called Money Monster, which is a Jodie Foster no. movie about uh, where George, George Clooney plays kind of like a, the mad money guy. He plays, he has his own like, Oh, you know, yes. You know what? I did see this movie. I, and it gets like, and there's like a sniper or like a bomber or something. Yeah, there's like a suicide yeah. bomber on air because he like t was told to invest or whatever. He lost all his money or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, this, this sort of reminds me of that. I mean, A, because it's Clooney, but B, because it's kind of like a version of a thing that you know about, but it's the version that you haven't seen before, I think. You know what I mean? Exactly. So. Yeah, yeah. I like that movie. That's a good call. Yeah. I haven't thought about it. I watched it on a plane somewhere and i forget where rachel and i were watching it on a plane and we like started at the same time and we were like in the same two seconds apart in the movie we were like oh let's just start at the same time we'll watch it on our each on our own thing so we're gonna play the google game next where we google ryan gosling the ides of march and joe i want you to guess the autocomplete there is only one suit it's one of, no it's sort of in it's in that ballpark though tie nope uh pin nope hair nope um hat no sort of in the middle of all of that Geographically, beard, face, close, mustache, facial hair. No, no. Shave, no. What? Glasses. Oh, interesting. People googling what glasses he wore. I guess you know. Yeah. He's looking cool. Sophisticated. 
Yep. There was only one of them? That's kind of Only sad. one. Yeah, I think I don't think people like, you know, not a lot of people maybe saw this movie. I mean, it was successful. We're going to play the letterbox game next. We're going to find out exactly how many people have seen this movie okay. that is in the site. Cool. Before we do the letterbox game, I do want to point out that our friend Liam Underwood, friend of the show, co-host of the Nerd on Nerd podcast, reviewed The Eyes of March. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but it just starts off with, Kat and myself have taken to watching a Ryan Gosling movie on a Sunday afternoon, and it's always a somewhat enjoyable and pleasant experience. This was written five years ago. Along. I, I, so, oh, so he just he was watching Gods by himself five years ago before we even existed? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I like Liam. He's a good Cat dude. Cat fell asleep ten minutes into the movie. He said the first hour was tedious, then something clicked, and he loved the last 40 minutes. Uh, he said he just couldn't get into the political story of it until the shit started at the fan. I wonder, because he is British, and I know that politics are sort of similar, and House of Cards was based on a British show. I really wonder how much of this translates like, you know, if we watched a show, if this was a British movie yeah. that was similar, did you ever watch based, British House of Cards? No. I can understand where he's coming from because, like, when I watch British House of Cards, like, the story was good, but then they'd do, like, oh, we're going to go argue in Parliament. And I'd be like, oh, can we just skip through this? You know what I mean? Like, because, yep. like, it's something you can't relate to. It's not something you have. So. And that's why I think, like, if you if you can't relate to it, you're not going to get into it until things go crazy. And when things go crazy, I don't think you necessarily need the context. You're just sort of in the story. So I think I totally yeah. agree here with what Liam with Liam's take on this movie. Okay, The Eyes of March 2011, directed by George Clooney. Average rating of 3.3. I gave it a three. Liam gave it a three out of five. Okay. How many people? have seen The Eyes of March for reference sake, Mad Max Fury Road, one of, if not the most logged movie on Letterboxd, has been seen by 266,000 people. The Ides of March has been seen by how many? 7,853. Higher. 14, 12, really? 28? Higher. Really? 35. 38, 3. Damn, way high. I, I was going to guess 14 to begin with. But that's that's a lot. That's wow. I think because it's Gosling, it's you know Clooney, Clooney, it's... Gosling, Marissa Tomei, Philip Seymour Hoffman. The cast is great. I also wonder. I don't look the Ides of March. This not was this nominated for any awards? Is the question? I didn't even look at that. It said it said Academy Award winner. It was nominated or they were in the trailer you mean right? That yeah. it was Clooney was nominated before. I don't think it this was, was nominated, nominated for best adapted screenplay at the Academy Awards. Oh, okay. And the Golden Globes. Nominated for Best Lead Performance, Ryan Gosling. Oh, really? Cool. Best Director, George Clooney. Best Screenplay. And Best Picture, Drama. So, uh, did not win any of those, but was... Yeah, kind of a darling. That year, Gosling, oh, interestingly enough, lost to George Clooney for The Descendants. So, Clooney directed one movie, acted a little bit in this, but then won for The Descendants, that great, great movie with Nat Fat by Nat Faxon and Jim Rash with Shailene Woodley where they're in Hawaii and they're trying to sell the house or whatever they're trying to do. Never seen it. Brad Pitt also nominated for Moneyball that year. Brad Pitt was supposed to be in this movie and Moneyball also another Philip Seymour Hoffman movie and also, weirdly, Leonardo DiCaprio nominated for J. Edgar. So, like, there's this weird conglomeration of, like, all these people who almost were involved or were involved or whatever. And they're all, like, doing good movies that year. That's cool. And The Descendants beat The Ides of March for Best Motion Picture Drama that year. Cool. Cool. Okay. So now, out of those 38,000 people, how many put the Ides of March in their top four films of all time? Oh, fuck. Um, 15? Lower. Seven. Eight. I was pretty close. If you go from 35,000 to guessing how many it was, not bad. Yeah. I was 10 away, 9 away on my first guess. So now, this is very interesting. 
of these people on the list, uh, the hardest part of the letterbox game is we're going to go to Ben Cooper. Ben Cooper, but Ben Cooper. <laughs> okay. He's letterboxd account at Bacopa. I wonder what that means, Bacopa. Four films in his top four, potentially. Only has two listed. Number two, Ides wow. of March. What's his number one favorite movie of all time? Has nothing to do with this movie. It is a movie that I've never seen, that I think was maybe, I was maybe quoted in that Bergen Record paper saying I've never seen this movie. It's one of the, considered the greatest movies of all time. Very long. It's an epic film. Casablanca. Literally an epic. No, but similar-ish. Um, Citizen Kane. Nope. Fuck. Casablanca, Citizen Kane. What's Peter O'Toole's other... The Star. Doesn't 1962, mean me. I know. Doesn't mean anything to me. It's like four hours long. I don't know. What is it? Lawrence of Arabia. Oh, yeah. So this guy, his two favorite movies are Lawrence of Arabia and The Ides of March. I'm going to look at one other account. This guy, Chris Barnes. No, this one's also... This game was really difficult. This other guy, Chris Barnes, his top four are the from four to number one, The Ides of March, Lord of the Rings, The Two Towers, number two, Up in the Air, also George Clooney, and his number one, Amelie, the French movie with Audrey Tateau. Yes. Which is wonderful and an absolute delight. The f- yeah, the famous one. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. So the next game. Okay. Fire ass titles. Yeah. Here we are. The Ides of March. The Ides of Gods. The Gods of March. Whatever. Okay. Backroom dealings. The note. Ooh. Politics. Two rings at two thirty. Ooh. I'm gonna say I'm gonna go sort of a little bit more. Just the politics of love. The primaries. Mm, the campaign manager. Oh. Jump ship. Flip flop. The faces we wear. Petty cash. Petty I like petty cash. That's a really good one. Well thank you. The the procedure. Mm. Okay. Uh let's see. Is there another is there a good one to go out on? Left in the diner. The campaign bus. How about you drive? After hours. The hotel bar. I'm trying to think. I kind of want one to like really, but I feel like it's it's difficult because like we're saying, you know, not a lot happens. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Rehired. I was gonna say promotions, but what's like like rat race? Maybe like what's like what's a what's a term that that you know describes? (laughs) I know there's a movie. Um, I don't know. I think I think I'm out. Sort of kind of anticlimactic, but you know, I think it was pretty solid. Ish run. Okay. I think I had a good run there. I did. So now, if we're looking back at this movie for the most and least boyfriend moments, bo- most and least boyfriend material moments. Yes. Uh, what are your picks for the most and least boyfriend material moments of this movie? Most boyfriend material is the the Thai canoodling. Least boyfriend material moment was the phone answering. Okay. For me, I'm gonna say the most is the you know vengeance from beyond the grave when he calls Clooney. And just sort of like that whole like series of events, like basically getting revenge for Evan Rachel Wood's death. I'll say this is the most boyfriend material moment. The least boyfriend material moment, I okay. will say, just to have a different pick, just to have a different selection. I'll just say, you know, trying to play it too cool while, you know, he's pretending he knows her name, pretending he knows who she is, all that sort of stuff. Like, Oh, you didn't like that? I thought it was kind of cute. Okay. Well, I, I don't know. I just, you know... There's not a lot. Forgetting her name specifically is a bad boy. Is the yeah. least boyfriend material moment. Yeah. 
So let's review. Okay, okay, yeah. So we have to review our picks from last time for the Ides of March. Okay. Yes. Your pick. No, no, no. I'll do, do mine first. Okay. The Ides of March. I know it's political, which I didn't count because I said that before. It's set in high school. Okay. Which no, but Evan Rachel Wood not that far out of high school, so I'm not gonna <laughs> give myself any points, but not so <laughs> far get, off. That's a quarter point. I'll take it. They're putting on a production of Julius Caesar. PSH is the drama teacher. He's constantly exasperated by the kids. I'll take a quarter point for Philip Seymour Hoffman to be exasperated, but that's like the easiest thing. Like, that's just his normal expression, just like exasperated. He's always exasperated. Yeah, I get exactly. it. Exactly. Why don't they get it? Ryan Gosling is the father of some kid in the play. He's always watching. He shows up early. His most boyfriend from moment is that he's there, there early, an attentive father, good with kids. The least boyfriend from moment is when he steals the part from the lead kid, which actually weirdly, steals a job from Philip Henry Hoffman. So, He's like, the lead kid. But there's also no children in this movie at all. So I'll give myself I mean, a half point. Well, a fetus, but St- we don't uh, see it. Oh, boy. <laughs> I, that was even... When does life begin, Joe? I, I'm not answering that question. Even if we're talking about a political movie. I don't, ca- I don't care how religious you think I am or am not. That doesn't make me a good or bad leader of this country. It's a high school production, but Philip Seymour Hoffman says, "You there in the wings? You're my new Caesar, my new Brutus." He steals a kid. He steals apart from someone, not his kid. The, pro- the production is a rousing success because he's acting like himself. His kid is upset, and the kid he stole the part from is upset. That's the Ides of March. Okay. So roughly somewhere between a half point and a full point. Okay, yours. Eyes of March is a movie that takes place in an all-gay nightclub called Little Caesars. <laughs> the most boyfriend material moment, Gaz comes into the club. He sees Philip Seymour Hoffman waiting online outside, tells the bouncer to let him in. He doesn't even make a pass at him. He's a good guy. He comes up behind Philip Seymour Hoffman, who's at the urinal, and spanks him a little too much and lingers in the bathroom next to him. He makes PSH uncomfortable. So... I love that scene in the movie, but in terms of points, no I was points. trying to remember what I guessed for this one, and I was like, I can't remember any of it, and that's exactly why. Yeah, because yeah. it's batshit insane. <laughs> okay, fair. That would have been a funny part of the movie, though. If, oh, if he would have, sure. like, if Philip Seymour Hoffman would have been going to the bathroom, he'd have walked in and just spanked him and been like, how's that election going? <laughs> Although I think he would have been fired right there on the spot, so that's not something that could have happened, but you know, I, think I, that that, I, I think that probably happens more often than you think in politics. From a junior person to a senior, I think it's probably the other way around. I would. Did guess. I ever? Did I ever tell you a fun story about when I was working at the University of Pittsburgh? I'm not even going to mention like what his rank was, but an older person in the thing would come up and like always want to talk to me at the urinal. So like one of these like older doctors would come up and be like, "Hey, how's it going?" and like and like stand next to me at the urinal and just start talking. And it was like this the most uncomfortable thing ever. Like he never did like anything weird, but it was just like he would just be like, "Hey, well, like did you ever get that thing done or whatever?" And I'd be like, "Oh." <laughs> like, Literally any other time, dude. Just yeah, like like right any now. other time. Like he would just like like I'll be standing there and be like, "Okay, peeing in silence." And then like he would just walk up and start talking. And I was just like, this is so awkward. Like, it's yeah. not, like, in a creepy even way. It just, like, he wasn't creepy about it. It just was awkward. I was like, why are you doing this? Yeah. He'd be like, okay, cool. And then he'd, like, wash his hands and run out. I was like, yeah. what the fuck just happened here? Uh, people don't have bathroom etiquette. That's that's the number one problem in America. No bathroom etiquette. <laughs> yeah, we'll talk to Matt about that. So our next movie is Crazy Stupid Love, which is a movie that I've been meaning to see for a while. I think it's just sort of mostly like a harmless rom-com of sorts. Cool. And here's what I know about it that you can use or not use. It's up to you. We know from this movie that Marissa Tomei is in it. Yeah, you told me that. We I was know from use past that. movies that Emma Stone is in it. Oh. And we also know, I just know just from it being a movie that I know roughly what it's kind of about, that Steve Carell is in it. We also might know that from The Big Short. So it's a return of three different people from different movies that Gosling has been in. Oh, I got so it. So 
I don't know beyond that what it's about. It's some kind of probably relationship, drama, comedy, okay. whatever. Aizen will be on. But Joe, what are the most and least boyfriend material moments by Ryan Gosling in the movie Crazy Stupid Love? This movie is essentially Girl Interrupted. Okay. Okay. Shout out Winona Forever. Shout out Winona Forever. Marissa Tomei and Emma Stone are in a mental institution. Okay. Oh, okay. There's, there's a crazy. Okay. Ryan Gosling's an orderly. Okay. Steve Carell is a really, really shitty doctor. So he's stupid. Ryan Gosling's the orderly. The most boyfriend material thing he does is make sure that they get the right medications. Okay. The least boyfriend material thing he does is tries to finute Marissa Tomei. He tries to what? Finute. Marissa Tomei. I don't know what that is. What does that mean? F- fucking let me finish my sentence and you can use context clues. Fanute, Marissa Tomei, and Emma Stone into a threesome. That's the least boyfriend material thing he does. Because they're in a sad place. Like, they're not, they're not like, they're, they're easily influenced by men. F-A-N-U-T-E, to go from ashy to classy, to swap, to flip? <laughs> yeah, to, f- yeah. It, it's, it's a, a French f- Montana thing, apparently? Yes. French Montana uses it to mean, like, Fanute, the coupe to the, yeah. Cool. You ju- you just like you you flip it into it. I need you to keep in mind how white I am. I know. Fanuch just like a, not a common word in my brain. I, it's okay. really like a word that I actually use pretty often. So okay, crazy stupid love. The only thing that I remember from the trailer, which I'm not going to use in my thing, is that Emma Stone sees Ryan Gosling shirtless oh. and says it looks like your abs have been photoshopped on. So we're going to get some shirtless I think Gosling you in that movie. That before. I think you said that before. I think so too. Probably okay. when we're talking less about Emma Stone, you know. You know, I, I don't ship them. Yeah, I get it. Whatever. I get it. Crazy, stupid love. So wait, where's the stupid in your thing? I mean, I guess it's just all... I said all... Steve Carell's a shitty doctor. Oh, Steve doctor. Carell's a stupid. Yes, yes, okay. He's stupid. Gotcha. Crazy, okay. stupid love. So here's what's going to be. Ryan Gosling and Steve Carell are mismatched roommates. They're like the odd couple? Sort of. They're buddies from way back, though. Like, it's not like they've been college just paired buds? together. Was Steve Carell like the old guy sure. in college? Sure, we'll, we'll, we'll say college buds. Okay. Uh, Steve Carell is always a little bit older, but they they were college buddies. They you know lived together, and this movie is about Gosling. And this actually might be sort of what it's about. Like I don't, I haven't seen this, but I might just sort of know. But also, whatever, I don't know. Okay. Gosling is like we need to get. It's sort of like the forty year old virgin in a way. Like we need to get you laid. Uh, you know, I'm this okay. beautiful god, Norse god of a man, uh, and you are Steve Carell, who handsome man, but just always tends to play those sort of goofy kind of you know, schlubby kind of guys. Yeah. Right? So I think, I'm going to say the most least boyfriend material moments are not with Emma Stone, who I'm assuming he has a relationship with with in this movie. Okay. I'm going to use them for Steve Carell in this movie, okay? okay? And I'm going to say the most boyfriend material moment he does is that they go out to a bar, and the first time it goes disastrously. But then they go out again, and Gosling is playing the ultimate wingman, and women are just fawning all over him. But okay. he says, you know you know who you'd really like? My buddy Steve Carell over here. Whether it's a long-term relationship, successful or not, he gets Steve Carell a hookup with this girl. Ultimately, Steve Carell finds Marissa Tomei. She's the one for him. That's the Ooh. relationship that's meant to be. Okay. But Gosling's most boyfriend material moment is that he gets this girl to go with Steve Carell. They go home. But then the next morning, the least boyfriend material moment is that Steve Carell wakes up to go make breakfast and then goes to knock on Gosling's door to see what he wants for breakfast, because, you know, they have breakfast together every day because they're best buds roommates. Yeah. And sees the girl that he was with the night before in Gosling's bed. Wait, what? So, like, she, like, left in the middle of the night and, like, switched rooms? Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay. I know. 
Big twist. Which, you know, necessarily doesn't say anything about Gosling, but he also didn't kick her out. He's just like, hey, man, what can you do? And, like, there's, like, a laugh track, and, like, the circle, like, goes in and just, like, wah, wah. <laughs> and that's Crazy Stupid Love. And they all shrug. Everybody shrugs at the same time. Yep. Okay, cool. And Steve Carl just goes, oh, man. Oh, Ryan Gosling. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. I love it. That's great. I like that. That, like, mine conceivably could happen. What I don't think it's going to, but like if it does happen, I'm gonna be so happy. Yeah, it would be awesome. That'd okay. be really great. That'd be a huge Babe Ruth moment. You just pointed right to the fucking rafters. There we go. Okay, so for the Golden Fleece, the Golden Geese, the Gossies, whatever you want to call them, the Ryan Gosling Awards, toward the end of this run, we're going to look back at all of the films Ryan Gosling has done, talk about the best and the worst, let you, the listeners, vote on these Awards, we're also going to do our own picks. Okay. What do we want to nominate the Ides of March for? Go through the categories. Best film? No. Not worst film. Not most disappointing. Best nope. Gosling role? I feel like it's good, but not on par with what we've seen already. No. It's not It's not something super original. It's good. He does good in it. Most or least Boy from Material caliber role? No. Neither. Most fun film? No. No. Best song? No. Best soundtrack? No. Best cinematography? No. Best costumes? No. Best hair? No. Hmm. Best or worst Gosling love story? No. There is really none. No. Best Ryan Gosling scream? He doesn't scream in this movie. We don't get one of those. Oh, we don't get a scream. That's right. We totally missed one. Best cry? Doesn't cry. Doesn't get punched in the face. Doesn't play an instrument. Doesn't kill anybody. Best job? I feel like it's... It's interesting, but it's not necessarily award-worthy. Maybe ki- killing the girl by association, kind of. I don't think. I don't think what he did led to her death. Do you? I think that him kind of twisting her arm about the abortion thing, and making it happen so quickly without giving her aftercare and like leaving her there made her feel really abandoned, and that led to her suicide. But is it best kill? Best Ryan Gosling kill when he drowns love in Blade Runner, when he has the shoe shine revenge in Gangster Squad. Or when he kills Keith David, who falls off the roof in The Nice Guy. So these are direct kills. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so no, definitely not that. So the only thing, you know, best dancing scene, he doesn't dance in this movie. So the only thing that we could nominate this for, and, you know, we don't have to, but either best non role male or female. Is there anybody in this movie that you think is particularly great? I think maybe Philip Seymour Hoffman? Maybe he's not Philip in Seymour it Hoffman. No, but he's great in it. Okay. Shout out to P.S. I love Hoffman. Mm-hmm. And if you wanted to, Dolores is great too, I think. As good as Marissa what Tomei. we've seen before. I don't know. What do we got in the other? What do we? What else do we have? So there? for female, we have Ana de Armas as Joy in Blade Runner. We have Andrew Rice as Holly March as the daughter in The Nice Guys. We have blonde Natalie Portman in Song of Song. We have Emma Stone as Mia in La La Land. We have Ava Mendez as Roe in Place Beyond the Pines. Damn, those are all. And we have Kristen Scott Thomas as his mom in Only God Only God Forgives. So Ooh. I think it's tough to say. Compete, you know, yeah, the stacked ass category. I would say so maybe nominated, to yeah, make we nominated Phyllis Seymour Hoffman, so that's good. That's important. Okay, cool. Yeah, I'll dig that. Because also in that category, we have Christian Bale in The Big Short, John Legend in La La Land, and Russell Crowe in The Nice Guys. So that's there's Fair. less that's ca- a, competition there. Yeah, that's a but solid still category, too, a good though. Category. This was a good middle-of-the-road movie. Like, I liked it, but I could definitely see it. It's not, like... Yeah. It's not anything. It's not standout in any any category, so... Yeah, which, you know, again, like, we're not nominated for the worst things. It's just, it's a good movie that I'm I'm glad that I watched once, but I don't need to watch again. Yeah, same. 
I feel about that for right now. Any other last thoughts about the Ides of March before we wrap up? Uh, no, but I, I'm like I said, I'm glad that I mainly enjoyed it so much because it definitely wasn't what I was thinking it was going to be when sure. I started the movie. Mm-hmm. And I always like a movie that surprises me and takes a little bit of a twist. With the no trailers thing, like it, like watching it, I was like, oh shit, like this is going to be a political movie, and then it took a different turn, and I was happy about it. So I yeah. think that if you do or don't like political movies, this will be a breath of fresh air either way. So Absolutely. So since the last time we recorded, since we released our Place Beyond the Pines episode, we recorded two episodes of Too Fast, Too Forever back-to-back. Yes. We did I Am Paul Walker as a special yes. bonus episode. And we did Too Fast, Too Furious with Brian Rodriguez of the of PSL of Hoffman, but also now of the High School Slumber Party podcast. Yes. That's a really fun episode. Go check that out. We recorded Stop Loss with Islan Addington of the Contenders podcast, also here yes. on the network. Uh, that was not a great movie, but a fun episode. Heavy. Talk yeah, about it was dogs. Islan's cool. By the time we record the next movie in a month from today with Crazy Stupid Love, we are going to talk about the Fast and Furious Tokyo Drift. Oh, I'm so with excited. Chris and Nico of the Now and Again podcast. I'm We're so going to talk excited. about Fighting, a Magic Mike's movie that I don't know anything about. And then we'll talk about Crazy Stupid Love. And then, on that episode... How the hell are we going to play fire-ass titles with a movie called Fighting, is what I want to know. I don't know. We're going to find out, because Fighting okay. is the most fire-ass title it could possibly be. <laughs> exactly. Uh, a little, little teaser taster. On the next episode, we might have something special new to announce, but we will get to that, not today, but in a month from now. So stay tuned for something mm-hmm. coming down the drain. Mm-hmm. Down the, the drain pipe. pipe? A little bit. Oh, Okay. Interesting. But yeah, that's all we got. So thank you for listening. Go check out. This is our 10th episode, like we were saying. We've got 10 of these. I think we've had better movies than this. We've also had worse movies than this. But I think we've True. had a lot of great conversations so far. So if you love Gosling, you know, email us, boyfriendmaterial.cageclub.me. Email us pictures of cereal. For emailing earlier. Thank you, Paul. Thank you, Paul. Email in your rankings of the Gosling movies. You know, you can even include ones that we haven't seen yet. You know, like we've been saying, next episode, Crazy Stupid Love. Let us know what you think about that boyfriendmaterial at cageclub.me. For all things Boyfriend Material and all the other shows that we've referenced throughout the podcast and all the other shows that Joe and I do, you can go to cageclub.me or facebook.com slash cageclub or at cageclubpod on Twitter and Instagram. Email us, like I've been saying, boyfriendmaterial at cageclub.me. We will read whatever you write on air. Anything. So just read anything. I'm Joey Lewandowski. I'm Joe too. And we'll see you next time for Crazy Stupid Love right here on Boyfriend Material.